Hi, and welcome back to The European VC, the go-to podcast for everything European VC. If you love the show, share it with your friends and join our newsletter at eu.vc. Today, we're happy to welcome Bogdan, general partner at Underline VC. Bogdan is also the founder of How to Web, the go-to conference for startups and investors in Central Eastern Europe. This year's event in Bucharest, Romania was amazing. We were able to do a shitload of live interviews and host some of the craziest EU VC dinners. But will we see you in the next ones? If you enjoy our content, do support us by hitting the follow button, giving us a review and following the European VC on LinkedIn. Vaban, a Qatar company, is now making it even easier to launch your angel syndicate with their new product called Atom. Angels provide first checks and are an integral component for founders to launch their businesses. With Atom, angels can band together to launch an SPV for $2,000 plus 2% of the raised capital, which is up to $200,000 US dollars. There's lower fees, more deals, and more equity ownership in the best tech companies. Check it out at vaban.io forward slash EUVC. And don't forget to mention EUVC. Bogdan, welcome to the European VC Show. It's so cool to have you on. How are you today? I'm good. Thanks for having me. Thank you. Thank you. I have to say that, you know, many, many in the ecosystem know this, know this. And for those that don't, it's only good that they do. You are one of the founders of How to Web, or the founder of How to Web, where we had the huge pleasure of being at recently. And it was so much fun to be at Bucharest and see the whole ecosystem there, but also see how the whole ecosystem speaks very highly of you. So for us, it's super exciting to have you on the pod. I'd love to let you talk about How to Web, but of course, also How to Web is kind of something you have done and it's grown bigger than yourself, but maybe more interesting than How to Web, you know, what is Bogdan doing now? But let's hear the story of what led Bogdan to where he is today. So first of all, thanks for coming to How to Web, and I'm really, really happy you had a great time. Thanks for the kind words. How to Web has been something that I've been working on for the last 13 years, so it's quite quite an old thing, and you can recognize that from the web particle in the name, right? So like for your younger listeners, 10, 15 years ago, the web was all the rage in the technology world, and you had low web, the next web, Arctic web, and so many other web sort of Webs. conferences. <laughs> Yeah, how to web is part of that generation of conferences. So that's, uh, I think, uh, quite special. So I'm a founder. I started when I when I graduated uh, university. I started a company. It went terribly well. I closed it after one year. Lost all my money. Uh, started the, the second one. I've been I've been told to you know get a proper job. Stop messing around. So so I started another one. Uh, which, Just to which, prove them right. I'm kidding. I, I think it was a bit of that, but also I just couldn't think of myself as, as getting a normal job. I just, you know, once you have the, the bug, you have the bug and that's it. There's nothing you can do about it. I started another company called Connect2, uh, which was doing sort of an email marketing for enterprise platform. I uh, sold that later to a subsidiary of uh, Emag, which is like the biggest e-commerce monster in the region. Then I started working in, in venture, in investment. But in the same time, because I was like in, in 2007, 2008, Bucharest felt totally, totally disconnected to the, to the technology scene worldwide. 
Yeah. I went to a bunch of conferences outside of Romania, most notably to Le Web in 2008, I think, which was, uh, I think, if I don't know if somebody remembers that, but it was an absolutely terrible, like, logistic nightmare. <laughs> it was so cold. Everybody was wearing their jackets on, like, it was like five degrees <laughs> in the venue, and there was no food, not enough food. So Loic brought some fancy French food. And that was uh, very quickly eaten. <laughs> it was absolutely amazing to see all those folks who were actually doing big scale startups and you know working at big yeah. tech companies. And that was the inspiration for starting How to Web. First of all, a small event in the Polytechnic University in Bucharest in 2009, and then have the first international edition in 2010, you know, like in a proper venue. Uh, <laughs> and we just kept on it since then until now. How to have in 2022, we've had around 2,000 attendees, I think around 200 investors from all around the world. Absolutely amazing. Yeah, and uh, just if I should add in, so Bogdan is probably the most humble guy we've had on the show. So sometimes we'll have to, to jump in and just correct him <laughs> because I think How to Web was the most awesome venue I have seen for a tech conference. I really think that it worked amazingly. So I just want to put that out there. That is not what Bogdan said. It went well, blah, blah, blah. It went great. And it was an awesome event with, I think, you know, all the right VCs for a conference in Bucharest. I think it was absolutely amazing. Yeah, and to our listeners, we managed to uh, cram in, what was it, five in local recordings. So you'll listen yeah. to some of the cool VCs that were there. Some of them we hadn't met yet. So that was really cool. That, you know, and, and I think our listeners will tell us, but I think some of them were fucking awesome. Like really. Bogdan, let's, let's shift the attention to a completely different thing or not completely different thing, which is Underline Ventures. Tell us, what is that? Yeah, so Underline Ventures is the investment fund that I launched at the in June, July this year. It has been sort of a, I think, almost a five-year plan to get it done. And it happened at a moment when I, when I gave up on it. So, <laughs> so the key learning to everyone listening in is give up. I'm kidding. Just, yeah. No, the key learning is keep at it for five years, man. <laughs> exactly. Don't give up before the, fifth, the sixth year, right? <laughs> That's the learning. <laughs> right. So as I told you, I've been working in, in investment since 2013. The very first experience was working with the Springboard Acceleration Program in Cambridge, just before, like it was the last batch before Springboard became Techstars Europe and, you know, Techstars uh, had a, like the first program in Europe. I was helping John and Jess to run the program. And then I got back to Bucharest and I joined 3TS Capital Partners, which is a venture company, which has sort of a PE background, but they were running a smaller technology oriented fund in Romania. And then I ran my first acceleration program called MVP Academy. I think pretty good results. And then I worked with GCAT Ventures for two years. We've done a bunch of, a couple of investments, and we were also trying to, to raise a fund, which we eventually didn't raise. That was the buildup. I was like with MVP Academy, I was sort of exploring, opening a fund, uh, looked at different alternatives. And then with GCAD, uh, we actually tried to, to do that, but raise a bigger uh, fund, uh, which is like um, for a late seeds, early series A type of uh, rounds. And then I went into a sort of a hibernation mode in 2020 until the end of the year when um, the first founder in which I invested in with 3TS, he called me back and uh, he said, uh, uh, you know, I'm, I'm selling the company. How can I repay you? Uh, because at the moment when I've done the investment, it was a very odd investment. <laughs> 
very different to what would generally 3TS Why? do. It was very early on. So it was a gaming company which had like the two founders and one employee, which keep changing every month. <laughs> they had launched a game, failed with the first game, and they launched a oh. second one, which was very early on. So they're making a few thousand euros per month. And their runway was less than six months. And we were the only venture fund in the country. <laughs> if you're the only venture fund in the country, you like generally have you know, a quite yeah. decent number of options. So this looked very weird to invest in this company. But I uh, kept uh, pressing the matter. I was such a believer in them because they were amazingly like the way they do their decision-making process was so like honest and with no ego and, you know, numbers and facts driven. They had a, an amazing framework for good decision-making. And that's what attracted me very much to what Giorgio was building and also uh, his previous experience uh, because it wasn't his first gaming company. So I, I thought that, you know, that, that would work. Anyway, it did work pretty well. <laughs> I think it's the biggest, best investment in that fund. Giorgio asked me, you know, how can I repay you? And I told him, you should not think about that. You know, I was just doing my job. <laughs> Maybe the fund will repay me somehow, but uh, not you. He kept insisting and at some point he said... You know, you were raising a fund. I would like to invest in your fund. And I'm like, my man, ah, I'm not hey raising man, a fund I'm again. Hibernation. <laughs> yes, I'm hibernating now. So, you know, just leave me alone. I've tried this two times. It did not work out. Thank you very much. I'm not interested. And um, I mentioned this idea to Vlad Ionescu, who is my venture partner in the fund. Vlad is the ex-head of growth at UiPath. He joined UiPath when the company was making around 200K per year. And when he left five years uh, uh, later, the company was doing 500 million. Ah, nice guy. So I, I think, like, <laughs> you know, that's quite an experience to have. And I mentioned this to Vlad and Vlad was, uh, you know, I told him, um, Georgia wants me to do a fund. Like, who would invest in my fund? And Vlad <laughs> said, well, I would. <laughs> and, uh, <laughs> you know, things just picked up from there. We actually started discussing with folks, like, just to test their interest in, in April last year. By February this year, we've managed to do the paperwork, incorporate the fund, and uh, sign the first six million and have commitments for for an additional four. Um, all this being private money, mostly from the people in the technology space in Romania and abroad, and uh, I've been just humbled by by their support and their trust. Sorry for interrupting you, Bogdan, but I think this is a really cool story because I think it shows two things, honestly. And, and I'd love to hear your comments to what I'm about to say. I think one is there are timings to things as ecosystems develop, right? And I think you've seen that firsthand. You felt the pain of being too early. And now you're kind of feeling the other side. The flip side is as the ecosystem is developing, you're feeling, okay, now now is the time to move. Now is the time to make it happen. So that's that's one thing I think your story shows really well. I'd love you to comment. But second... I also think it shows any aspiring GP or emerging GP out there, like your story, I find it inspiring in the sense that you were creating value in the ecosystem until there was an inflection point where now the ecosystem is kind of adding value to you in this fund. And as you're saying, it is it is the ecosystem around you that is actually investing into your fund. But I'd love you to hear your comment on these two things. Yeah, I mean, it only takes a decade. You know, <laughs> you just have to be patient about it. I did not thought that things will happen this way. Although now, if you look at it in retrospect, it's obvious. That's uh, how things uh, actually happen. Indeed, in the beginning, it was way too early. 
but then 2020 and um, 2021 were absolutely amazing year for my direct and direct portfolio. It was really also a great time for liquidity events. So we had a bunch of founders which, with, with whom I worked in the past were now in a position of investing in a fund. The funniest situation where, is where you talk to somebody, you kind of mention that you're doing this fund and they make a point of the fact that why didn't you told them sooner because they would have wanted to be like the first ones to sign on the dollar <laughs> line. And I'm like, I didn't even thought of asking you to invest. Like, I, I didn't know that, that's a thing. So that's a, a great experience indeed. David and I, we speak to so many emerging managers. And as I also said, I said at Venture and CE, you're, you know, the, the, the investor conference the, the day before how to web, I said, well, we're meeting so many VCs or aspiring VCs trying to raise a fund and they're just not there. It kind of seems like they're trying to will a beast into being that shouldn't be because they're not ready. They haven't done angel investments. They don't have the first couple of millions from people around them. You know, you know, there's just so many things that, that should tell them that ah, maybe I should do other things first. I'd love to hear, you know, you come from the other complete opposite end of it, right? You're thinking, who would invest in my fund? You're asking friends, who would invest in my fund? And then they turn out to say, well, I would, you know, how do you think about where we are as an ecosystem today with, you know, in quotation marks, everyone wanting to raise a fund? I'd love to hear your commentary on that, you being the most humble person I've met. Yeah, I don't even know if that's a good or bad thing. Uh, just, uh, you know, maybe, maybe I should do something about it. I don't know. The one thing that I have going for me is that I don't stop. Whatever it takes, I don't stop. I think it's good to think about the option of raising a fund. I think it's good to give it a go, to see what happens. And in the process, you discover if you have it or not, if you're there yet or not. What does it take to actually raise a fund? What are the missing pieces that you may have in your story or in your experience or in your background? As with anything in life, if it's important to you, yeah. you'll just continue doing it. And if it's not important, if it's just like an opportunistic thing that you think you may do or not, then uh, you'll quit. Uh, you know, that's a very useful filter for everybody, including for you, because you'll, you'll figure it out uh, how much effort you want to put into it. To everybody who's thinking about raising a fund, please try to do it and see like where you stand. It's a very much of a, as any entrepreneurial endeavor, right? I mean, if you see a founder trying to start a company, you know, what would you tell them? You know, don't do it. I think you're not prepared. I think the honest answer would be just like take some baby steps, see yeah. see where that leads you. And that's the thing, right? And that's what I mean is if you want to build a startup that does whatever, maybe don't try and see if you can land a meeting with the CFO or whatever of Google. Maybe <laughs> start trying to build something a bit closer to home. And that is where, you know, I like in saying, okay, now I'm launching a fund. This is my 13-page pitch deck. I'm going to raise from, from Eisenberg Capital and all the great ones. And EIF is going to come in nine months later, blah, blah, blah. That is kind of like, you know, going out there, building a startup and thinking that you can sell to Google on the first day. You should probably start thinking about your closer network first. Can I close a couple of deals where I'm the syndicate lead? That kind of thing. Oh, yes. You build all this over the five-year period, right? And yes, as LPs, what we want is to see you not succeeding but keep on going and keep on going and keep on going. I actually have a theory about that, which I applied when I did my, my fundraising. The, the theory is that the people which know you the, the most are the ones which will most probably, and you've worked with them, right? And you've be, been beneficial 
to, to their professional life. Those are the first ones to probably make a decision and, and sort of invest when things are very early on. And it also obviously depends on their liquidity and the way they think about venture, because I've seen some bootstrap companies which uh, exited and the founders like, nah, venture, I don't believe in venture, I don't want to invest in venture. So I get that as well. But you have that close circle of people who've seen you and they can, like, if you if you show them a deck, they can project in their mind how this will work out, right? It's very much like like a pre-seed. So that the first closing of a fund is sort of a pre-seed. It's just, it's just trust, pure trust. And then you have another category of people, which in order to, to also invest in a fund, they have to see the first ones committed. And that increases their trust. And maybe with the first money, you actually, you know, manage to put a brand out to hire one or two good people in the team, do some work. So for the, for the second circle to close, you need a bit more consistency, a bit more data points, and that will happen and so on and so forth. So I think the trick here is to figure out exactly when you talk to somebody in which circle they are how much trust do they need because it's stupid to push them all the time you just have to understand you know what is the level of trust and and commitment from the others that they need and if you manage to do that you're going to build a great fundraising uh, process it's the snowball effect bogdan i want to i want to do a little pause on this just to give a quick rundown of what is underlying ventures so let's hear this you know thesis geo what stage you're investing give us like the one two minute pitch of what you're doing and also where you stand in terms of the maturity of the fund. So is it a post-final close thing? Is it a pre-first close thing? Where, where are we? So everyone listening in understands. Right. So Underline Ventures is a pre-seed seed fund which wants to partner with early stage founders from, from Eastern Europe which build global businesses. Uh, we are vertical agnostic, but our thesis is very much around the maturity of the ecosystem in, in Eastern Europe. We think that at this point in time, you have a significant expertise being uh, developed in many Eastern European countries because right now you have this type of um, you know, scale-ups all around Eastern Europe. I think there is no country in Eastern Europe which doesn't have at least one unicorn. And apart from that, a lot of companies uh, who have been exited or valued at hundreds of millions. And as similar to the you know, PayPal mafia effect and the Skype mafia effect, you're going to have all these sort of spin-offs from these companies uh, with founders who have professional experience and they can build teams, they can build products, they understand their business, and they need guidance on the venture side. They are well-experienced operators, uh, but they need a bit of support you know, to understand how to raise money, you know, what are the KPIs, which are the best funds for that, etc., etc. And that's where we step in. And that's what we've been doing for the last uh, six months We've done two closings so far, and it's a, there's a third one uh, coming up uh, in the very near future at 15 million. And there's going to be probably one to two more, and our target is uh, 20 million. We want to build a portfolio of 20, 20 something um, investments where we can be, you know, in a pre seed investment, we could be lead, but uh, in seed investments, we are very happy to be co investors and partner with the best investors in the region and in Europe and help out with the investment part specifically. But apart from that, there are two other type of support, two other type of requests that we get from from founders, which is, first of all, uh, recruitment. So by the end of this year, we're going to have an internal talent partner to help us recruit with exclusively for the startups in our portfolio. And second of all, the go-to-market part. So I, I mentioned that Vlad, he's 
like really experienced in in all things uh, go to market specifically for the inbound part ui path was in a market where there was a lot of demand we'll probably add somebody on the team also with expertise in go to market regarding the outbound yeah this is it pre-seed seed or seed anything like you know seed is a spectrum nowadays it can go quite widely and um, Eastern Europe, geo- vertical agnostic, experienced founders, almost 15 million raised, target is 20 million. That's the overview of the fund. I would just take this opportunity to say two things. First of all, anyone who's trying to raise a fund and wants some good pointers, reach out to Bakhtan to ask if you can see his deck, because then you can see what market validation looks like <laughs> in, a, in a VC deck, because that is very, very well described. And then I'd ask you, Bakhtan, uh, to go a bit into what type of founders you're looking for. I always say that there's a bit two types of VCs. That's the ones that are looking for the overlooked thing or the, the people that have not yet really proven themselves. And access is not a problem, but you need to you know, then have much more of a picking skill because you need to be able to see what other people can. And then there are the other ones that are more like, okay, we bet on the top tier ones that everyone can see are going to win but they're very, very difficult to be allowed to invest in and get into their cap table. Tell me, where do you lie on this uh, range and how do you think about that? The framework is absolutely correct, uh, the, the way you describe it. I definitely, I'm more focused on the second category. I'm totally fine to, to compete uh, and uh, try to get into the best deals. I think we are really providing great value and great services to our founders. And this is something that I want to maximize as much as possible. The challenge i think generally in eastern europe is finding great founders i think we have the you know the technology talent nobody doubts that that there is the technology talent and now you have quite a good number of sales and marketing people i think there is still a lack of good product people especially on the b2c side but fundamentally what you're looking for is founders who have great leadership skills they have a deep understanding of their customers. They have a good understanding of their business. And you can help them hop on the, the venture flywheel and grow their business faster and, uh, and scale faster. So that's what attracts me in, in founders. And sometimes it doesn't necessarily have to be like I, I would not put an, you know the equal sign between somebody working for 40 years at UiPath and being a great founder. That's not the case, definitely. You can't make that assumption. I think you just have to judge each case individually. But I also think that, you know, if when you're in your 20s, it's more difficult to have the proper experience to build large businesses. And in venture, we depend on on investing in outliers. So you may be an amazing founder, but just like not ready for us yet. So we invest in both, right? We invest in the ones that find the nuggets that, that no one really have found or believe in. And then we invest also in the other ones that are just like you described. We also, it's also the 500 emerging Europe thesis, right? So yes. we love this perspective as well. It's just two very different approaches and it has deep, 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 you know, ramifications for everything you're building as a VC. I think it also like depends on, you know, what are your, your strengths and you have to play on your strengths, whatever you do. So like my sort of strength, I think, is the fact that I've been doing this for almost 15 years. I know many of the founders that uh, have built scale some of the founders that have built scale-ups in the region, for sure, since they were just starting up. And that's one, like, element of getting good recommendations for great teams. Um, and also, I know, like, many of the funds in the region, since I actually know the partners before they were, you know, building a fund. 
So that also helps because with how to have in many other circumstances, I help them connect with teams. You know, I send them good deals. So this is my play. 10 years yeah, ago, yeah, maybe yeah. it was different, but today this is something that I can do very well. And you also know the international co-investors that come to speak at How to Heaven and, and they recognize in you an interesting player. In there. But I, lo- I actually love that as well because it all plays well together. Bogdan, you know this. We always end our episodes with a quick fire round. We ask a couple of quick answer questions, 30 to 60 seconds each. Are you ready for this one? Absolutely. Bring it on. And since you have an unfair advantage, which is you have listened to some of our episodes, I'm going to play a trick on you. I'm going to shift them a bit. So the first question is from listening to the European VC pod. What is like the top tip you've listened to that you add most value to? I like the episode uh, with uh, Daniel from Eleven Ventures when he discusses about community and how the community around a venture fund shapes the venture fund and you shape the community. And that I thought that's really smart. And this is something that they've been doing since 2012. So 10 years ago. That was not really obvious back then, but they, they've done a good job. Yeah, I think I think he said something along the, the lines of Daniel Tomo, right? He said something yeah. along the lines of the success of any early stage investing activity is a community project. You have to build a great community and manage that community. It's not necessarily only about managing the portfolio. It's managing the community as the safety net for the success of the firm. And I think that is a super cool quote. I'm so happy you brought that up. That's really cool. Yeah. Second question of the quick fire uh, for you, Bogdan, is the very traditional what are your top tips for emerging managers? When you start building a fund, you have to be absolutely like 100% honest about what are the deals that you actually can do, figure out how those can work out and place that in a model that works for your fund. I've seen too many venture managers who have disconnected sense of what they can actually invest in and build a model for something totally different. I mean, you'll know in in your first six months if you're there or not, but it's ideal to have a proper model before starting the fund. As with anything, when you raise a fund, the first fund, you go through a product market fit search in the first months and you have to be like 100% sure that whatever you're doing will actually work out in that initial period because you can't change that later. I'd also add a very, very small caveat to that, that Andreas and I have, have heard many very experienced LPs telling us, which is it's very relaxing as an LP to see uh, an emerging manager that actually does what he or she said they would do <laughs> from yeah. the get-go. That coherence, right? So it's, it's something that we haven't experienced yet, but we hear a lot of experienced LPs saying, so I, I love that point as well. Final question, and typically my favorite one, uh, which is, what has been your most counterintuitive learning over the last five years uh, and what led you to today be uh, leading underlying ventures? It's not counterintuitive, but I think is so fundamental. I just want to mention this. When I started underlying ventures, I looked back at my investments and the investments of others and tried to understand how they played out in time. I have this advantage of seeing how my, like the initial fund where I worked out played out. Uh, over a decade, then my teams from MVP Academy, how they worked out, and then to see some of the you know portfolio of uh, other investors in the region, uh, how they played out. And I think that the most important element, this is my, my lesson, right? The most important element of selection when you're selecting a team is the team. 
like I listen to a lot of podcasts, I read as much as I can about venture, and we discuss markets and uh, trends and you know stage and etc. and prices, valuations, do they go up, do they go down, etc. The absolutely most important element of uh, success is a great team, a team which knows what to build. They have good personal connections. They can, you know, provide uh, leadership to new members, etc., etc., etc. In my case, when I look at a potential investment, I think 90% of my decision is around the team and the founders. And 10% is about market and all the other stuff because a great team can change the market. A great team can, you know, hop on a good trend, but you can't change the team. That's the cornerstone of your investment. That should be the cornerstone of your investment. I don't think it's counterintuitive. I just think that it's very hard to understand how important fundamental this is for early stage investment. When you say it as dramatically as you do there, it's obvious that it comes with many ramifications, right? Because it comes with, okay, if the right team is there, I'm not going to be bargaining on price. I know that the right team, when they're there, you need to back them. It also means that, you know, you don't need to necessarily see the product from your thesis view, right? You don't need to necessarily to see the product and where it'll go and so on, as long as the team is there. It also means, you know, boom, boom, boom. It has so many ramifications when you're so team focused as you are, and that is you know, because it's so simple to just say, well, it's, team is the most important thing. Yeah, yeah, we've heard that a million times, but we've also heard it from a million people that don't go all the way and actually back that and say, well, we will invest in a team where we are unsure of the market or where we are unsure of where the product will go. That's the difference between actually being a team investor and being someone who just says the team is the most important thing because that's the obvious thing, right? It's the people that you're backing. I just wanted to put that in there because I don't want people to, to, to leave you boxed and thinking that, Bakhtin just said the team is the most important thing and that's it. <laughs> no, I think like you have to look at market and all the other stuff, but more of more from the point of view as, you know, blocking factors. Like yeah. if those don't make sense at all, yeah, yeah. then that's a blocking factor. But if you have a great team and the other sort of makes sense, then back the team. I love that. Thanks, Bakhtin. Thanks so much for joining us on the European VC show. We had a ball down in Bucharest and now we had a ball back in Denmark and Portugal where Dave and I are and uh, and still with you in Bucharest. Thanks so much for joining us. You're awesome. Thanks, guys. Thank you very much. Thank you for listening to this episode of the European VC, the go-to podcast for everything European VC. If you love the show, share it with your friends and join our newsletter at eu.vc. Vauban, a Qatar company, is now making it even easier to launch your angel syndicate with their new product called Atom. Angels provide first checks and are an integral component for founders to launch their businesses. With Atom, angels can band together to launch an SPV for $2,000 plus 2% of the raised capital, which is up to $200,000. There's lower fees, more deals and more equity ownership in the best tech companies. Check it out at vaban.io forward slash EUVC. And don't forget to mention EUVC.